This podcast is brought to you by The Learning Connection, School of Creativity and Art, tlc.ac.nz. So welcome everybody. Uh, we've had many artist talks, um, or going right back to about three or four years ago. And it came from a, a student link request, actually. Um, students came forward and said, we'd love to hear more about what graduates or other artists in the community are doing. Could you start having some come in? So I got hold of one, I got hold of another, and I think we're up to about 20 to 25 artist talks over the last three or four years. It's been great having everyone's feedback, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome Johannes to this one. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Excellent. So, Johannes, the first question I'm going to ask you is, did you find TLC, or did TLC find you? Um, somewhere in between. Uh, a friend of mine made me aware of it, um, and I went to some casual classes here. I went to... Um, printmaking class with Flutter and uh, some other classes and then the opportunity came up to really take on uh, a part-time study at least and mm. so I did that a year ago. Great. How's it going so far? Very good, very good. I'm at times still struggling with the fact that I, I got still a designer mindset that I'm fighting. <laughs> at times not, but I'm fighting it again and again because it takes some influence on, on my painting practice. And mm. But it's a good experience, absolutely. Yes. Excellent. How's that experience been so far? What have you been connecting with? What mediums, materials, approaches? Well, the first couple of terms, I really tried everything. I did 3D, I did printmaking, uh, carving, sculpting, so whatever I could get my hands on, digital design, animation, and then I slowly started to focus on painting, printmaking, and photography, mm. the three Ps, kind right. of. And it probably will narrow it down a bit more even in the, during this year, but uh, I think that's where I'm going. I think I see myself as a mixed media person. Mm, excellent. Let's rewind the tape back a bit. Tell us about your upbringing, where you were born, where you're from. Okay, I'm from Germany. Um, I'm born in the lower Rhine Valley, which is about 50 kilometers from the Dutch border. Um, quite an industrial area, a lot of mining going on still at that time. Um, my parents were both into teaching. My father was a headmaster of a college. My mother did uh, evening classes at art education and uh, got two siblings. Um, yeah. Excellent. And was art something that was emerging from a young age? It was in a way. It didn't really come up in the family as such, but uh, I started quite early playing with uh, Lego, mini stacks, things like that. And I didn't do houses or something. I built patterns. I built brick walls that would have some rug pattern in them or did something like that. I even got a little loom already, a table loom, to play with that. So I could experiment with that quite early. It didn't really channel into a, a professional choice at that time that would match it. Mm. So that was a bit different. What well, at secondary school, was there any art or design that was taking place back then? We had art classes, but it really didn't grab me there, I have to say. It really I was a late bloomer on that. It came later on. While I was working already in my first uh, job, in my first profession, I started to paint much more. I took classes and <coughs> developed my skills on that. Mm, great. Yeah. You tell us a bit about that sort of later part of secondary school and what you were interested in or versus you know, what your sort of path was at the time. Um, well... I wasn't really sure where to take it professional-wise, and my parents kind of advised me go into admin, get get some more education on that possibly because it's public service possibly something secured, be uh, to, to be nice and settled. 
Yeah, they wanted yeah, to yeah. have me nice and secure. Right. So I went to uh, a college that was already kind of directed to admin and accounting um, facilities. And so I learned shorthand and typewriting and accounting and stuff like that. And actually, my choice of profession then was a clear result of that, mm. which was the Ministry of Finance. But I tried to look for, uh, at that time, it seemed to be a bit more adventurous at customs. I became a customs officer, I worked there for two years as an apprentice, and then for another two years uh, at some border patrol stations, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I despised that weapon on my side, I despised the uniform, I was in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So I started already there when I was working there to uh, have exhibitions, to, to go to printing classes, to, pr uh, to drawing classes. I inquired about options to go into a different direction and uh, after a couple of years I applied at a University of Applied Science to study design. I had thought about fine arts first but there was that kind of security thinking in the back and what are you doing after a fine arts study? Yeah. It's not really a clear perspective while with design you would have some kind of market where you would find jobs. Mm. So there was a decision to be made and so I went for design. Um, I had to do uh, a portfolio, apply for it, I had a one day kind of test where you would draw and find solutions for design problems and they would have a rather high quote of failure, so they took like 25 people out of 100, so 75% didn't get in. So I was quite happy to get in, and I sold my car, sold my furniture, and went to that city, and uh, started actually a bit earlier than the term would start, just to get myself settled, to find a job, because I didn't want to burden my parents with another study. Uh, find a flat, get to know the people I would work with, get to know my tutors, which helped me to find jobs because that was the first set of, of networking. So they would say, oh, I know this hotel guy and you could work there as a receptionist. It was my first job and it kept me running for a while. And mm -hmm. So from there it developed. So I started with weaving, for example. Yeah. What was the initial transition like to go from you know, the security, the customs officer job that you had into suddenly feeling maybe in, in the deep end of into a design pure career. stress. It was pure stress, absolutely. Mm. I was completely loose and uh, I wouldn't really know um, where to go, where to take it. So I needed to focus and say, okay, you need to get certain things sorted. Mm. You find yourself a job first and then you... So I worked in a factory for a while uh, and then went to, to that uh, city where I was studying. And So once I had set myself up and I was already a casual student where I would start studying later on, that kind of calmed me down a bit and mm. that gave me some opportunity to really explore things and say, okay, I want to go into that direction. Mm. That was quite good, yeah. Great. And you mentioned to me the other day when we caught up about that idea of networking and just yeah. communicating with other people, oh, like-minded people, and yeah. how that started to create opportunity. Oh, you would find the students all around the campus and you would, they would be quite curious because you were not yet a student, you were just a casual. You would sit down with them as well with the tutors and the professors and they would ask about the background, so I would bring in my portfolio, which I applied with, and so that gave them some ideas where I was coming from, and they would have some input for me to say, oh, you might want to go in that direction, that direction, and I befriended some students. My next job after the hotel was at the theatre, and that came from a study colleague who finished his studies and went off to, to his first job. So 
that sort of networking was really important and uh, I focused on that a lot. I've been around a lot uh, sitting in the common rooms and talking to people just to, to settle myself again in, in that new city into the new situation that was quite important. Reminds me a lot of just the socialising people do here and the value of disconnecting with others just to find mm. out you know, where they're going and how people can yeah. collaborate and connect and take their art and creativity further, yeah. whether it be exhibitions or, or other. Yeah, and it could be lifelong friendships. Uh, mm. One guy I met at the hotel at the reception, it was a fellow student in textile design, and we at a certain point swapped paintings. He got one of mine and I got one of his, and it's still in my living room and I'm still in contact with him after wow. 30 years. So that's great, that's fantastic. And so during this design, uh, was, was it a d degree or a diploma? Or what? It, it was uh, a bachelor degree, it probably would be more towards masters these days. Mm. At that time, they didn't have this, this kind of uh, distinction between bachelor and, mm. and master's degree. They would call it diploma, but according to the transfer qualifications now, it would be probably bachelor, bachelor or masters. Uh, it was much more focused on, on industry the study as such because it's a polytechnics for applied uh, science so you would have electro, uh, electro technique guys there and you would have uh, graphic artists there, graphic designers, potters there and so it was much more you go into a certain industry you need to learn the skills you need to be in contact with the industry so you were very much encouraged to to see uh, to do projects with some kind of company, to, to meet with them, to an internship during term breaks and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, so much more focused on the, the outcome and less on, on the process of the development of something. Sure. And did other people start to cite what you were doing? Where did the first sort of um, design jobs come from? Uh, again, network somehow. People seeing an exhibition that I did in, in town and saying, oh, that possibly would make a great rug design. Could you design a rug for us? And so I did that. It was basically my first design job. And then, uh, again, via a connection at, at one of my jobs at the theatre, I went into an artist workshop, a lady who did kind of hand sculpted huge dolls, very beautiful, and dressed them in quite extravagant fabrics. And she needed just a hand to do some packaging, cutting, preparing, gluing. And I started to work with her and she developed her small business into a full-blown textile production with 30 employees and I was in the midst of it. And so I started to make designs for her. So mm. that's how it that started. started initially with just you two, was that right? It was basically just the artist and me. Yeah. And then we had another st uh, student coming in and uh, so, and for quite a while it was just a group of us, the three of us, and then it suddenly got bigger and bigger. We needed seamstresses and tailors and, and people to prepare cuts and stuff like that. We had a full-blown tie production running then with all the machines. And so you suddenly are in the midst of industry. Mm. It was completely different from this small artist workshop that we had started with. And it had quite an effect on my studies because at a certain point she was kind of the, the point that she needed her team very strongly to develop it further and I couldn't basically go back to study mm. so I stepped out of study for five or six years and worked full-time mm. and then went back and finished my studies mm. so I took uh, three terms off or something and just finished and then went back full-time to work as a designer for her so do, what, why do you think the, the work suddenly just excelled at that time was it supply and demand were you, were you was your 
crew, so to speak, offering something that was missing in the market? Uh, I think we're talking the blingy 80s. So <laughs> it, was, it was really about uh, all, all very over-exaggerated and uh, people kind of reacted to that. They wanted to show off and these fabrics she used for, for the doll clothing came from Seatra suppliers. So it was all very elaborate, all velvety and a lot of glitter on it and people loved it and said, I want a vest out of that or a, or a waistcoat or even a tie, can you make a tie out of it? And so we started tie production and uh, it was really quite funny. People really went berserk seeing these things, oh, I need that and make that for me. And it was supply and demand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Johannes, was this the place where... Oh, that was the theatre I worked at as a dresser. So oh. I was behind the scenes helping singers and uh, actors and ballet dancers in and out of their costumes. In a hurry, usually. <laughs> it's an art in itself. It didn't really work very well with my studies because it was long evenings. Yeah. So you got out of the theatre at one in the morning and then you had a, another class at eight. Is that it? So wh what was your design process? Was it purely what the client wanted or was, was you, were you sharing your, some of your ideas? Or? Uh, not in the beginning. We started out to have a collection of scarves. Over there there are quite a few of them. There's a, quite a bunch and that would be really free. You would look into <coughs> trends, into fashion developments, you would color cards for that season and then find motives that you would like to take on. And uh, so for a, for a good time, it was really just what, the, what you would give to the market. Mm. So it was your decision and surely talking to the boss and stuff and setting up a, a theme and saying, okay, we go with that. And then it slowly kind of transgressed into the corporate business. So you would work with companies and they would say, okay, we give you our logo and our company colors and you design something custom made for us so we can distinguish our stuff on some trade fair from everyone else. They would know this is that company and that kind of went parallel. So we had for quite a while a collection just for the market, just for the fashion mm. market and then it got more and more into corporate. Mm. What was it like as a, as a creator? Someone that was fulfilling you know, some of your own creativity as well as also working with a client. How did you, how'd you find that balance? Oh, I found it quite tricky it's because you got so many uh, kind of uh, boundaries that you're sitting with your, your creative practice because uh, the client gives you a logo, the client gives you a motive that he wants to see, he gives you the colors, uh, you've got technical requirements, what kind of material can you use, um, can the weaving company do that or a printmaker or what's the, the deadline for the delivery, what uh, is the budget of the client, how many people he wants to dress. So you're working all around with these uh, kind of limitations. You're not just an artist putting out some, some sheet with something beautiful on it. I was in the midst of production, so I needed to think all these through as well. So it had quite an influence. We mostly did a bit of research when we met a new client to, to know already these things beforehand before we met him, otherwise you would offer him stuff that you can't produce for him. So mm. it would be quite clear, okay, you got 50 people that kind of cuts out certain opportunities because we would need higher margins, uh, higher volumes for that. But I found the creative challenge for that was to work in between these limitations and find solutions for that and be kind of uh, creative about that. Actually. Mm. Yeah. Great. There's always creativity amongst uh, any of those processes that you're yeah, doing, yeah. whether it's in the making or yeah. in the communication. Right. It must be interesting for people here, because I mean, as artists, we're trying to find that balance of 
making and self-fulfilling versus are we working towards a client? Are we trying to make something for somebody versus self-expression? Yeah. And so I think that can change as well. Like you talked about having your own collection. Yes. And then times change, 80s into yeah. whatever era. Yeah. And oh, so I'm starting to work a lot more for somebody else. I mean, what happens as well is you disappear as a designer a bit. Because when, when you put out a certain collection and you know that the designers at that company, that's where it's coming from. If you work for corporate, they get a product and they don't give too much of a toss about where the design comes from. It's, mm. it's part of the job, it's part of the deal, mm. but you kind of disappear in the background and uh, the production as such is much more in the foreground. Sure. Yeah. And where, where were you there? Were you the person linking in with the clients, um, doing some of the sales or...? At, at times, yeah. it changed. Uh, we, at times I was with my boss and possibly a salesperson or we were a team presenting to a client or we would drive there as well. At times it would be a salesperson somewhere else in Germany talking to a client then come back with a design brief for us. Uh, depends, depends on the size of the project. If you have a really big project then you do presentations at the company and then we were all there and, and trying to convince the client of our products. Mm. <laughs> and making a whole merchandise. Yes, yes. Yeah. That was something developed over the years when I changed to different companies. So it went a bit away from textiles to more prefabricated corporate gifts, incentives, promotional gifts, stuff like that, where the main creative challenge would be to fake their logo onto it. <laughs> so to take the photo, scan it that you got from a catalog and get their photo onto it and kind of customize it somehow so it looks special. <laughs> Did your own creativity still occur during this time? Like was it painting and drawing projects or? Not really. Yeah. I, I did uh, have a couple of exhibitions while I was studying, mm. but once I was full as a designer full time, it really stopped and I didn't do any drawing or painting for 20 years, I think. Wow. So it was a 20 year span that you were doing this? Yeah, quite a bit. I think I started in the, the late 80s with that company casually and uh, I, I stopped working in 2008 when we moved over here. Mm. Yeah. And what was the desire to then change up what you'd been doing with your, your design back in Germany? Well, I got a bit bored because it was more like really taking a catalogue and using something like that. It was less and less creative to, to really take something. And it was starting getting a bit tricky for the companies with their advertising budgets. So they cut down on that and they were nearer to have some nice cap with an embroidery on than have their custom-made designs produced. So that really cut back quite heavily and we shifted more and more into that kind of promotional stuff and I didn't really like that too mm. much. It's quite interesting with history and time and yes. like you talked about the early 80s and the, and the blinging and making these, these wares for people versus the way times have changed and yes. how artists have to adapt yes. depending on where things yes. are at. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so how come New Zealand? How come New Zealand? Um, we have been here, uh, not here, a couple of years ago in Australia actually. Mm. We, we sat in Munich, quite nicely settled and so do we want to stay here for the rest of our lives? Do we want to buy something? And so not really. Bavaria is quite a conservative space, uh, place um, to be and so we thought if we move then we can as well give us a challenge to do something completely different. And my partner who was in the medical system was quite sought after by headhunters and so there was a suggestion go to Australia or go to New Zealand. So we did a tour, we came here for a holiday, first Australia and then to Auckland for 10 days, looked around and decided okay we give it a go and we give it a go for New Zealand. And 
then I started to do a bit of research how I could find a job here and that was a bit of a tricky one because given the different uh, sizes of Germany in terms of population and industry and New Zealand, there wasn't really a market for corporate design here, or very little. You got one or two companies like Arrow here in Lower Hutt or so, but that reduces down to an embroidery on a polo shirt. Uh, so I was aware that I would probably start from scratch somewhere. So it was a bit of a hard one. Mm. <laughs> in terms of trying to survive and sustain again? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just find something for me. And, and I've found the best way to do that is to start somewhere at the bottom somewhere, I, I was a mail sorter for quite a while, mm. working with DX mail, just sorting the morning mail and getting that out and slowly developed from that and given my, my first school training in, in accounting, I became the accountant of the company after a while. I worked with them as an accountant full time, uh, but then I got sick of, of minimum wage for a full time job and even reception duties on top of some stuff like that. So I said, I can't do that anymore. Mm. And, uh, took the opportunity to, to go uh, freelance as a design consultant and worked for a while with the uh, National Library and set up their retail space. And then the opportunity came up to study here. Mm, great. So that was the story so far. <laughs> what was the culture change like? Yeah, from, from Munich, and you said Bavaria, to, um, to being in Australia, to New Zealand? <laughs> the cultural change. <laughs> Well, it was quite interesting. In Germany, it's much more structured, much more orderly. You follow the rules, and uh, especially in Bavaria, and that was annoying us both. And so to come here, that was quite a change. It was quite a change. And what I found very helpful for myself, I could jump into jobs that I haven't done before, just show people that I can do it, and they would accept it without having some kind of qualification from overseas shown or some kind of reference, they would see I can do that, so they would let me do that. And that was great. You, you wouldn't do that in Germany. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I remember you said that to me the other day. That's quite fascinating in yeah. terms of just demonstrating a hands-on approach and then yes. I can do yes. this. Yeah, yeah. Number eight wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about um, the future? What options would you like to explore with your art and creativity in terms of what you're currently doing and where you'd like to go? I'm not quite sure yet about it. I, I would like to see some, some setup of a studio that I share with people. Sure. Um, I also like the idea of sharing the knowledge that I have coming from a, from a background with family that have been teaching. Uh, so that might be something to go into, do classes with art societies or something like that. I'm not quite sure yet. Combine those skills yeah, in, yeah, 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 in yeah, your yeah. backgrounds. Yeah. And what about this, or just the slides come up, the free yes. artworks, and when, when, what sort of time frame were you doing these? That would be the late 80s, that was while I was studying and uh, was exploring kind of this uh, surrealism theme and go through that and sometimes photorealism. Uh, found that quite interesting. The last one in the corner there is a, is a record cover that I did for a friend who was a singer-songwriter and he wanted something about day and night, mm -hmm. so I created that for him. There's some quite excellent technical skills going on here. So is, is that something that was self-developed over a matter of time? Yes. Or? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Quite fun. It usually starts with some kind of collage, some drawing, and, and then I would uh, usually take it on, on a dark cardboard and then work with, with white pens a lot to lighten it up. That had quite a dramatic effect usually. Mm, great. That looked quite nice. Yeah. 
And if you could talk a bit more uh, in depth just about some of these processes that we've got here on screen. Yes. Um, I'll get into the current <laughs> slide. So just let me know, obviously, it work its way through and you can just talk about some of those processes. Yes, yes. So we'll get it going. So we talked about theatre and then it was about getting skills on how to how to do ties, how to connect ties. So really some things that I had no clue about before and I ended up working in that, that company besides my studies doing the whole production line. I've been sitting on every machine they had and I've been sewing and I've been ironing and I've been cutting and so that was quite something. I could have worked in a company doing neckties because I had that training now. So all these uh, details here, how to set up a cutting plan, how to fit it into a fabric that would have a lot to do with efficiency, how to use the fabric best and uh, with ties you would have certain rules how you cut it. You see it's all in a 45 degree angle has to do with the tension of the fabric, warp and weft, so you need to cut it in that angle, otherwise the, the tie will turn. <laughs> yeah. once, you, once you set it up, you uh, might want to go further mm -hmm. yeah. And so like you said, it was initially two, two of you that yes, the, the yes, company expanded. It grew quite fast and mm. I know that my boss was quite happy that she had this small tight-knit group around her when it kind of started to explode and she got much more people around and suddenly she had still a small group she could rely on and say okay we have to work on that weekend or you need to come with me to that trade fair or we need to something extra so it was a really a hands-on approach you were not just a designer somewhere you were on a small team you would do everything mm. yeah. what's that like as, as an artist designer collaborating what's it like we're having to deal with so many different people and different roles and tasks within a creative design organisation. It, it can be quite hard in between because I come from completely different backgrounds. We had a group of, of, of Vietnamese uh, seamstresses who would do the ties for us and they had a different culture and that would clash at times and you learn from that, you learn how to deal with people and, and how to, to handle a, a shift full of of, of workers suddenly, so you, you become something like, like the shift guy uh, being there for a while. Yeah, it was a good learning curve, yeah. quite heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. There was a nice project, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, they wanted to have the kind of uh, gift set for their diplomats coming in, delegations coming in from overseas, and, and they would hand them that scarf and the tie and the paperback that's in the next slide. And so that would be a whole package and uh, that was quite interesting to create because they were rather conservative. We had some other designs for them that were much more free and uh, much more modern but mm -hmm. they went really with the classics. And was this the German foreign Yes. And how does that represent Germany? That's they what they want yes, mm -hmm. that's what they want. Okay. So what, how, how did that represent Germany? Uh, how do you mean that? Um, <laughs> well, you would have the, the, the German colours, uh, black, blue, and, and uh, black, red, and yellow in the in the design. It would be as a small line coming through, and you would you would have have a label on the backside with the name of of the client, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, in it. And if you see the back, for example, it's much more clear because was it the next slide? I think. So is the Flor uh, flowers, are in, is that like a, a, a national symbol? No, not at all. It was something I choose, and uh, 
they liked it. I had a different design where I used the building in Berlin where they were seated, where they're situated, and used that as a collage and had that uh, set up, but that wasn't the one. So you're quite likely to present a, a range of options? Oh, you have to. You, yeah. you start with three or five designs that you present to the client, and then you get an idea what he wants, and then you can kind of redefine it and have a second presentation or something. Mm. We had projects like with uh, BMW, uh, they set up a, a huge space as a, as a delivery center for their, their clients, as, as well as a museum, and they wanted to have their whole staff there dressed in corporate fashion. And we went into competition with 24 agencies. And so you do three, four <coughs> presentations, try to refine what they want, try to find out where they are going with it, and produce things in, in advance on your costs just mm. to show them, and then end up in the last three and don't get the <coughs> job. So that can be quite draining because you spend huge amount of resources mm. and time on that, and it's really annoying. Did you get the job? No. <coughs> No, but we got a good representation out of it, uh, a good, good skill set, how to deal with that. And then we had the next client, which was uh, the, the Alliance Arena. So the Bavarian soccer club, FC Bayern Munich, built an own arena together with an, um, what was it, an insurance, a brewery, and the city of Munich. And so we got that job to fit out all these people. And that was a good learning curve to have before, to know how to approach them. Sure. Quite a tricky one if you got not one but four clients to sit across the table and everyone has a different opinion. And so we went really bonkers with presentations there. <laughs> and were those skill sets you just developed over time from just yes. doing it? Yes. Yeah. You, you were, uh, the first meetings I wouldn't be there, but the next mm. meetings my boss would take me with him mm. or with her. And uh, so you would learn how to, to stand there and present what you're doing and have like uh, out of the blue, have some ideas how you can change things and give them some ideas how they, how they can have what they want and yeah. Mm. Toing and throwing process. Yeah. Mm. What was tricky with these corporate fashion stuff was that often you would have a, a company in between that would buy the stuff and then lease it to the client. So like Alsco, for example, who was driving around here with, with the uniform service. You would have these companies in between and they would say, okay, you can only use these kinds of materials. These buttons wouldn't stand 20 times a week dry cleaning, something like that. So you need to find other materials and that was part of my job as well too travel around on, onto fairs, trade fairs, and find suppliers who would come up with something like that. Quite fascinating just being yeah. involved in Quite annoying at times as well when yeah. they don't deliver what you want. It's <laughs> interesting so what you say about that volunteering of your time. Yes. I think a lot of artists can relate to the amount of time that you give to your work, yes. whether it works out or doesn't, but not just in the making, but just in the you know going around and maybe go presenting your work to oh, yes. a potential yes. gallery space yes. or dealer gallery space, the right. emails, the, the setting up a show, the writing out of tags, you've got it all on the wall and you think, great, and then you spend another hour and a half, you know, putting your time into putting tags oh, onto yes. work. So I think there's a lot of time that can really go into it and resources, but like you said, you can learn yes. from that experience. Yes. We you spend a lot of weekends on trade fairs where we have our own stall, our own system standing there and presenting ourselves with our own clothing that we custom made for ourselves. So. Uh, that was something where a lot of time went into just to set up the space as well. And mm. uh, so we spent a lot of overtime <laughs> on that. <laughs> it was not just a regular job, you couldn't do that. Was it financially worthwhile that, that during that time and, and sustainable? 
It was, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I could live quite good from that, yes. Excellent. That was all right. Yeah. Now we've got a bit more time, so I've yeah. got a mic, so if people can talk into the mic for any questions you may have for your hands, that's Tell the me. best way, because we're, <laughs> we're recording this for our <laughs> distance delivery students. Oh, I'll put a little mic on Let that put me off. I've been recorded. Well, you can hear me because I'm close up. Yes. But, um, it's really interesting because that is exactly my background. I have my own business in design and um, you have all those aspects and now it's time for me to go back into business and I thought I would try to do more of my own work rather than giving people what they need. Mm -hmm. So um, your main, other than you said you found it a bit boring or something, there's obviously a lot of aspects in there. Yes. Um, can you please explain more those aspects and your desire, your inner desire, mm -hmm. that's, that's driving you to go this yeah. different path. Well, I got more. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, I got more and more about create uh, out of creating things. I got more and more like using pre-produced things and just customizing that. And that wasn't an overly creative process. And that was the perspective was that it would get more and more and not less and less. So. I thought I need to do something that expresses more what I want, what I want to show people. And uh, so probably step back completely out of that kind of business, which is quite stressful. I can really say that, and you know that probably. And uh, really take some time to think where you want to go next. And that's where the idea came from to possibly set up shop with a couple of people. So you have a, a kind of range of things you, you offer to a client and uh, it, it's more likely that you find a client that way uh, than just having your own style and setting that up as a shop. So I probably would go for a group when I, when I leave here and then start something new. Mm. Yeah. And for that purpose, networking is everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. so Johannes, what I'll do is because we've got a recording going on at the same time. Yes, sorry. Is, um, I'll wrap this part up, but we'll yes. keep the live yeah, uh, yeah. format continuing That's to go. Fine. We're going to ask questions. But it's been fantastic having you in talking about your Thank journey. You. And Thank you. continue to flourish. Thanks very yeah. much. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by The Learning Connection, School of Creativity and Art, tlc.ac.nz.